0: Right, we're back on the fan morning show. Boom, 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 boom. we Friday. go. I'm awake. The vibes are good. It's <laughs> seven o'clock. The coffee shop in the uh, office is now open. So getting Haley some caffeine. It's it's a Friday. We got Haley joining us on the show. Justin Cuthbert's away on vacay in Costa Rica, living up the life. And we're here grinding. Uh, we appreciate you coming in, Haley. We've got Haley today, and we got Haley Monday, and then Brent Gunning joining us for the rest of the week to fill in. Um, coming off a Maple Leafs win last night, a big one against the Florida Panthers, and Matthew Nye's uh, stepping further into the Frozen Four journey with Minnesota. A guy that covers them both. Stephen Ellis, Associate Editor and Prospect Analyst at dailyfaceoff.com, a co host of the Puck Poolies podcast. What a name. How's it going, Stephen?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: We're doing well. Um, I know you're up late watching some Frozen Four, Matthew Nye's in Minnesota. Okay, I'll tell you this. I was watching thinking, this is it. Canisius is going to have this massive win. And then they find a way to, uh, the scoreboard looks a little bit lopsided in the end. But uh, you were watching that one, I assume, pretty close. Uh, What can we take away from the first game for Toronto's very own Matthew Nye's?
1: Well, that would have been quite the upset because uh <laughs> looking at the rankings, uh, Minnesota number one and Canisius number forty two. Yeah. So that would have been
0: minus eight hundred on the money line too is crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would have been quite something. But uh yeah, that you know, that that top line didn't really do a whole lot until the second half of that game. But once they got moving it was just it was pure dominance and Canisius couldn't keep up and Minnesota's the one of the best college teams I think we've ever seen. Um In quite a long time. They've just got so much depth, so much talent. And you look at that top line where Nyes didn't get a a goal, but it Mm -hmm. didn't seem to matter. He still played an effective game. So uh, that was one heck of a contest.
0: So we only really know... I guess high level Matthew Nyes in terms of this team, but Minnesota has some depth up front um, and he plays on that top line, but there's a lot of superstars um, obviously going through the NCAA pathway here towards the frozen four. Uh, Who else on that team is impressive? I mean, we're obviously going to keep our eyes on it a little bit closer now as we see when Matthew Nyes will make his trip to Toronto, but he works in tandem with a couple other pretty, pretty great guys.
1: Yeah, Logan Cooley to me is one of the best prospects in hockey right now. Arizona player. He put out some outstanding moves last night, got a couple of assists, and then you look at Jimmy Snuggerood, who's one of the best, best pure name snipers. Too. Oh, outstanding man. Yeah. Uh there's another player in this tournament named Winter Wallace. That's a great wow. name too. But yeah, we get some good names in college hockey. But yeah, Jimmy Snuggerud is awesome. He's gonna be great for Saint Louis. And uh again, that line probably could be a second line in most NHL teams right Damn. now.
2: So one conversation Ailish and I were having, you know, earlier in the show in the last hour, it's kind of a been a debate in Leafs land is, you know, wanting Matthew Nyes to be in Toronto as soon as possible. When this game looked like it was going to be an upset uh, last night, there was maybe some fans getting excited that they could see Nyes sooner rather than later, of course. Uh, they stay alive. They stay in the tournament. Like, what is the benefit, Stephen, in, in your opinion, of, of Matthew Nye's, you know, staying in the NCAA this season and, you know, going as far as he can in this NCAA tournament?
1: When it comes to prospects, especially high-end ones, I think the biggest thing is confidence that if you can go here and win a national championship, especially after losing your, your, you know, divisional championship, a tough loss there to Michigan, getting that confidence and showing like, yep, this guy, like this is the best you could play. This is everything you could do. And, and giving to, to win that championship that you've been working for all that time, I think is very important because, you know, there's a very realistic chance you can come to the Leafs and not play a lot right off the bat. And then that could, you know, Make some doubts in his mind, but going out there and winning the championship to me, whatever it, it doesn't matter what level it is for any prospect, that's mm-hmm. extremely valuable.
0: Yeah, there's so much pride in in representing your school and being able to be a Frozen Four champion. Like I, I just I don't know how much people. Understand that, um, and I think it's just a great boost of confidence. And that was his decision to come back, so might as well go go out with a bang. So Matthew Nice has a couple more hopeful opportunities here to to get a little bit closer, but eventually he will come to Toronto and he will sign with the Maple Leafs, and he'll get an opportunity to make his debut now whether that's next week or a little bit after that, where's he strongest suited uh, to join this Maple Leafs roster with the factor that he's going to have little to no time to acclimate with this roster, and there's already some holes with Ryan O'Reilly not really suited in a, in a spot right now. We don't know how this is going to shake out, you know, the first couple de- days or games. Where do you see Matthew Nyes fitting in this roster?
1: I think they'll give him, given that the team right now is kind of just focused more on on trying different lines out and seeing what they could do as opposed to just winning every game outright. I think they're going to give him as many opportunities in that top 6 to just, you know, play a quality players, get your confidence up and then maybe come playoff time, we're talking maybe second third line, you know. Nice. I don't think offensively he's going to blow anyone's mind away, but the value there is his two-way play, his physical play. It's like the Leafs don't have a guy like him. He he just plays this power forward game that uh, I don't think anyone really brings to this roster. So you can fit him in a lot of roles, but I, you know I think they'll give him some first line time just to get him ready. But. I don't think he's going to last there.
0: Yeah, that's certainly a significant spot to slot in on the first line of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But, um, you know, obviously he's got those skill sets and the further he gets in his NHL career, the more he develops. I wonder the fact that we know the Maple Leafs will play the Tampa Bay Lightning we've known for a little while. If that first round matchup changes your perspective of where Matthew Nyes will slot in. Um, Is there some sort of, you know, line pairing or matching or the way that Tampa Bay plays offensively and defensively that makes you shift where you would put Matthew Nyes if he was playing a Boston Bruins team?
1: I don't know. I think because, again, we just got to see what he's able to do against the NHL quality. Like, you know, going out there and playing the NCAA is one thing, but adjusting to the pro lifestyle, you're not playing just a game or two a week. Now you're playing almost every other night, and you're have got the you ramping up that competition. So I think you're you're still just, no matter what, are spending the next couple of weeks just trying to ease them in.
2: Obviously, there's a ton of, you know, draft eligible players to watch at this tournament. Um, You know, NHL prospects, one that I've kind of circled is Adam Fantilli. He's one of the big draft eligibles at NCAAs uh, with Michigan. How has he progressed since World Juniors in your mind, Stephen?
1: Centilley to me is one of the best prospects we've seen in quite a long time. He just, he's just—he's big. He can be physically dominant. He can uh, control the puck. He shoots well. He just does everything. And you know, the, the numbers he was putting up this year were on pace to be better than than uh, guys pretty much what we've ever seen from a player at that level. Uh, you know, Jack Eichel is considered like the gold standard of ncaa freshman seasons and uh from a points per game perspective we saw better out of fantilla he just didn't play as many games but i think you know the way he can dominate there is uh, i the world juniors wasn't a great performance for him but i don't think that was indicative of what he could do he was playing bottom line minutes he was playing on the wing instead of center where he usually plays so uh you know he played like you'd expect from a, a draft eligible player Connor Bedard just kind of did some special <laughs> stuff that made it look a little silly in comparison but uh, I still think he's the second best prospect out there right now.
2: It's hard to stack up when Connor Bedard is doing what Connor Bedard was doing at that World Junior Tournament <laughs> um, but looking at Fantilli in the NCAA season he's put together I mean he had the third highest points per game rate in the NCAA this season in the last 20 years uh you know behind guys like johnny gaudreau who had two points per game when he won the hobie and then uh 2016 runner-up kyle connor uh from a couple years ago like is he the shoe-in to win the hobie baker this year
1: he would have my pick you know just you we don't see guys dominate like that especially in the first year player and he's uh I, I've been able to watch him kind of when he grew up the Toronto hockey rank, seeing how, what he was able to do here. And you could always see the special qualities in him. And uh, I think the fact that, you know, Connor Bedard is also in this draft is tough, but Santilli it would be a number one in most other drafts.
0: So the draft obviously is uh Bedard and co, and we've been seeing that for quite a while, but I wonder how you see that next four shaking out because there's been a lot of movement, um, and I think that that's the most intriguing part of this. We know that number one is a, the tank for Bedard. But number two, three, and four, there's and five even, there's a lot of depth in this draft. Um, I wonder how you see it Like right now, Friday, March 24th, if you were the one drafting where you might see some of these uh, these prospects lining up.
1: Well, yeah, obviously Bedard's number one. I think if I'm looking long-term, I do think Matt V. Mitchkoff ends up becoming the second-best player in this draft. Uh, what you know, about he that
0: just KHL got- contract? Is that, does that put any Matt-
1: pause? That's the problem. That's why it's going to take a while. I think certain teams might take a run at him. Like if Montreal stays fifth with their second pick, a couple of picks later, I think Montreal can make a run at him. Uh, if Chicago falls outside of the top two or three, they could do it because they just have a stupid number of picks. So uh, I think, you know, the right team will go for him, but I, I think he's going to be outstanding. Uh, then you look at Santilli, He's great. Number four, Leo Carlson was putting up a ton of points in the Swedish pro league. So That's something you can't ignore. And then uh, Zach Benson, a number five, you know, a guy who's about as close to catching Bedard in the WHL as possible. So uh, it's a very, very strong top five this year.
2: You know, looking back at the NCAA tournament here, Stephen, is there anyone else that we need to know? Because obviously we haven't covered a ton and there's several, several players playing in this tournament. Matthew Nyes obviously is of interest to Leafs fans, Fantilly obviously from, from Team Canada, the World Juniors. Who else do you think that we need to be aware of as this tournament continues, either NHL prospects or draft
1: eligibles? Well Gavin Brinley, who plays a Santilli, just played at under a point per game all season long you know he's a smaller player 5 foot 9 but he's feisty he's skilled and we saw him play some really good hockey at the uh, at the World Juniors uh, and Luke Middlestad the younger brother of Casey Middlestad uh, also on Minnesota uh last night was probably the best player on that team until Logan Cooley did what Logan Cooley does at the end and uh you know a defenseman that just kind of a late bloomer but sometimes you see guys like that really start to shine so I'd say those are the ones I'm keeping the closest eye on.
0: Last one, uh, Frozen Four. Who's going to win?
1: I think it's going to be Minnesota. I think, yeah, Hell sorry, at yeah. Nice is going the way.
0: All right, we heard it here first. (laughs) Okay, Uh, let's move on to your uh, last article on dailyfaceoffs.com. Of course, we're talking to Steve Ellis. Um, You wrote about Connor McDavid and his comments about the best on best international hockey and how it needs to return. Obviously, inspired by the WBC and what we saw in that final out, at least between Shohei and Mike Trout. And it was, you know, once in a lifetime, really, to see that happen. Um, And that tournament in general, I think, stole hearts around the world of what it's like to watch teams be represented by passionate players. Now, Moving forward, looking at what Connor McDavid said about we'd love to have this here. What were your initial thoughts watching that tournament and hearing the best player in the world make a statement that this needs to happen? Is that enough? Is that enough momentum to actually have the NHL make that step forward?
1: Well, we've heard rumors that the the GMs are on board of this. And then obviously, you just look, it's the NHL and the owners who are not. And But I'm happy to see any time we hear a player st- uh, speak out about something like that. I'm happy to hear that because, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of international hockey. I'll watch any level. I've, I've been watching the Division Four men's tournament and very excited for the women's tournament come up in Brampton. But, you know, just like... Best on best international hockey is something that shouldn't be so hard to find, and you know it, it was obviously at the World Baseball Classic. There was a it was a while between those two tournaments, mm-hmm. but I think just kind of seeing the momentum of that, it just and then seeing the World Cup of soccer. And you know, like I'm not a soccer fan, but just seeing how cool, and how big it was, just to see Canada in there. Uh, it'd be cool to be able to see people get that excited about hockey again. And, you know, when your NHL team is out of the playoffs, you probably don't care as much. But when you've got, you know, the country you live in, the country you grew up in playing for a medal, I think that just hits completely differently. So I I hope it's something that comes back. I get the reasons why. You know, Russia is obviously another reason why we're not going to see best on best hockey for a bit, even if they did play without them um but it's just like it's we've had so many great memories of previous olympics and even the 2016 world cup of hockey was a ton of fun i I just want to see that magic recreated
2: i mean there's been a whole generation of you know superstars in the nhl who have not represented their country at like a major international competition and i think it's just such a shame i was looking back at the last canadian olympic roster nine players are still active Only nine. Everyone else is, Mm -hmm. you know, just retired or on LTIR, stashed away, the Arizona Coyotes somewhere. (laughs) Um, And I guess it's just like i wonder what it's going to take for the nhl to kind of figure it out obviously we know that the olympics are are the issue the ioc are the ones that you know get the immediate financial gain from nhlers going to the olympics um but i think the nhl like if they think that they're above growing the game and just getting that exposure at that stage i mean i mean they're they're wrong you know we know that People being at these tournaments are going to inspire or introduce the sport. It's going to make new hockey fans. And I just don't think that the NHL should think that they're above trying to grow the game in that sense. Because we know that the NHL is, is pretty far behind when we're comparing it to the NBA, MLB, and the NFL.
1: Yeah, if there's any league that knows how to dot-grow their game internationally, it's definitely the NHL. But, you know, you look at – I think when you see guys like Otani and you see guys like Trout playing in a tournament like that, in, especially in a in a season in a sport that just takes forever where over 100 games you're playing and it's it's just ridiculous how many games you play, to see them play in that still, you know, put that extra pressure on there of the potential to get hurt, you know, I don't think that that excuse – is real anymore for the NHL? You gotta say, you know, all these other sports let their best athletes go and take part in these major events, and whether whether that league has a stake in it or not, I still think there's value in in just showcasing these players to the rest of the world. Because you know, for for the game to continue to grow, and you know, it's not the NHL's job to grow the game in in like Europe and places like that. That's more of what the WHF has to do. But you've got to grow the game where people are going to care about it no matter what, and you've got these good opportunities the players want to be part of it it's one thing if mcdavid and crosby said i don't want to play in these extra events but they want to be there Mm -hmm. make that happen
0: so the poster would have been otani versus trout Uh, if you're looking at the head-to-head that you most wanted to see in the world baseball classic you're making the poster for the next head-to-head with the nhl superstars who are the two faces that you have uh, to draw
1: in the viewers Oh, it has to be McGavin Matthews, two of the best players in the world right now.
0: I would buy that poster and I would frame it and I would tune in because that sounds um, absolutely electric. Uh, Let's ask you a couple of these questions before we let you go, Stephen. So uh, the biggest conversation as of late have been the line shufflings and the movement of 7-11 and 11-7 and seeing new bodies in and out of the lineup now. How do you see this shaking out down the stretch? Are you seeing like positive results at finding answers and having chemistry hopefully born out of chaos? Um, And are you in the camp of let's end that, let's set some lines and let's see them work?
1: Uh, yes and no, I'm, I'm looking at this and saying, like, obviously we know they're making the playoffs. We know who their first round opponent's going to be. And it's been like that for a long time. So this is the perfect time to kind of just try different things. Like I I expect near the end of the regular season, we're going to probably see guys like Matthews, maybe even Marner just sit for a few games like we've seen in the past, just to make sure they're ready to go. And it doesn't hurt to try different things out. You know, the thing that to me that this team really lacked in the previous couple of years in the playoffs was just the pure depth They have that now where I'd even argue they've got goaltending depth for the first time in a while, too. So at every position, they've got guys to go back and lean on. And that's something, that you know, even Tampa Bay can't necessarily say for the most part to the the extent that the Leafs have. So, yeah, you know, there's been some some ugly games and the game against the Islanders was extremely bad. But I, I still like that they're trying different things, knowing that this is the time to try it. So that when it comes down to Game Seven, you need something to to pull it out of the hat. Uh, you've got these these lines or these other things you've tried in the past to see, you know, maybe this could work.
2: Game one of the playoffs, Stephen. Ooh, which, the big question? Which, Ailish and I were debating who's you know should be the opening day starter for the Blue Jays: is it Gosman or is it uh, or Manoa. is it Alec Manoa? But if if we're looking at Leafs and we're looking at the goaltending picture and who gets the start on day one, Game one of the playoffs. Is it Matt Murray or is it Ilya Samsonov?
1: You know, Samsonov's highs this year have just been better. And I, you know, I I don't want to say, oh, like, look at Murray's injury history, but I just don't really have a ton of confidence in him. Uh, I do have a lot of confidence in Samsonov. And I think, you know, he's uh, in a single game situation. Like, you got to win. I think this is a guy who can rise to the occasion right now.
2: Especially if it's home ice, because we know Samsonov yes. loves Why to cook you just at play home. Why not one on home and one in away? Against... Matt Murray's the away goalie, mm. and Samsonov is the home goalie. Hey, whatever gets you to <laughs> win, Haley. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> the one concern I would have about going with Samsonov as the starter is I wonder what that would do to Matt Murray's confidence. Wouldn't you want to start that guy out on a high in the postseason?
1: Uh, I'm kind of on the camp that I expect them to buy him out next year, so mm. I, I'm kind of <laughs> just like at this point I don't know if I care. <laughs>
0: Okay. All right. Uh, If Matt Murray had successfully made that save last night, you think we'd be talking differently? We'd be starting game one. He'd be leading the team to (laughs) Stanley Cup. I mean, that was pretty, pretty nice. Like, I just wish that the puck hadn't crossed the line a little bit in his glove. But, I mean, it was pretty nice. So... We, that's the highs and lows of covering this team. Uh, Steven, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Um, enjoy covering the rest of that NCAA tournament. We'll probably chat with you afterwards and see uh, how it all shook out and appreciate your bet on Minnesota. I think that you're, you're on it with that one. Number one, Minnesota going all the way and I hope to see it for Matthew Nice. Yeah, thanks so much. Steven Stephen Ellis, associate editor and prospect analyst at dailyfaceoff.com and co-host of the Puck Coolies podcast. Of course, you can find all that. Check out his, uh, his Twitter feed as well. He's covering some NCAA stuff last night. Um, Minnesota getting the big win over Canisius after uh, headed into the third period down 2-1. So they found a way. Matthew Nyes continues on his college career. And we get to continue waiting patiently or not patiently in Toronto to see him put on a Maple Leafs jersey. I wonder what number he's going to be. I was just thinking about that. There's, like, no numbers left if you're a Maple Leafs player because all of them are retired. You're going to end up with, like, 53. Somebody already has that probably, right? Like, it's just pick (laughs) pick an obscure number that's in, like, the 50 to 60 range or 40 because at that point, you're not getting 17, 11. Like, there's no nice numbers left. 67. Oof. haven't won since.
2: (gasps) Oh. Oh, I didn't mean to.
0: Do. You legitimately cannot pick that number. <laughs> I didn't mean
2: to do but that. But how
0: hilarious would that be if Matthew Nyes comes and he wears number 67 and everyone just blows up?
2: He wore 23 in development camp, but.
0: Oh, it's not terrible, actually. 20s are acceptable. There's some good numbers there. Like 27, my number, but retarded. Um Okay. Side so for something to chew on brought to you by <laughs> Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. Now, this one's for you, Haley. <laughs> it's my favorite segment. This is for uh. you. Ezekiel Elliott Mm -hmm. narrowed down his list. Look at your face. I wish you could see your face is radiant. (laughs) He's narrowed down his list of potential teams to the Eagles, the Jets, and your very own Mm -hmm. Cincinnati Bengals. Now, he was released by Dallas last week. He's only 27 years old, according to Adam Schefter. He's hoping to make his decision sometime next week. Now, you are a massive, massive Bengals fan. Yes. What would that be like to have... Ezekiel Elliott say: My decision is the Cincinnati Bengals.
2: I mean, it's obviously a huge pickup. Uh, I think if you're a Bengals fan and you're looking at that team, you know, obviously you've got so many good offensive weapons Mm -hmm. on that roster already. So Ezekiel Elliott would, you know, just add a nice little element to that roster. I do think that the Bengals need more O-line help because Joe Burrow just takes a beating on a daily (laughs) basis. So, you know, I hope that if they grab Ezekiel Elliott, that doesn't, you know, stop them fighting financially, you know, in a cash perspective from going out and, you know, addressing the biggest issue, which is that O-line. Um, but it's interesting, like, Joe Burrow was at Ohio State when when Zeke was there, so there's a little bit of a connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be curious to see where he ends up, ends up choosing. I mean, obviously, the Eagles, I mean, that would be... How do you go from the Cowboys to the Eagles? Man, that's tough. That's tough. It's a lot of fire there. That would be, like, going from... The Penguins to the Flyers. Yep,
0: I think even more, more explosive in terms of a move. That would that. be like if
2: Mark yeah, andre Fleury signed with the Washington Capitals oh, or something that's, in pre-agency. Yeah, that's,
0: that's pretty similar. Um, all right, well, something to chew on there, Haley. I hope you get your wish. I really want to see you have some joy in your life. Yeah, I'll there's been tonight, zero Bengals. joy yeah. as a Bengals <laughs> it's
2: fan. It's been tough, eh? Um, <laughs> a proud Bengals fan since 2020. Hey. <laughs> You know
0: what? You picked a good one to jump on the bandwagon for. Oh,
2: there's is, nothing wrong with jumping on the bandwagon.
0: Everyone's got to start somewhere. You don't come out of the womb wearing a Bengals jersey, right? Like, of course. At, <laughs> no, I'm from Fergus, Ontario. Shout out well, Fergus. <laughs> I'm from Cincinnati. Yeah, that's right. Um, we have some more NFL stuff to break down with Charles Davis, the joy of our Fridays. Um, he's back today at 830 because Lamar Jackson's contract just got, the whole situation has been a bit, I need someone to confusing. break that down for me. But <laughs> yesterday, there's some news coming out that a mysterious man, no, this is literally the wording, a mysterious man named Ken Francis was reaching out to teams on Lamar Jackson's behalf, so much so that the NFL had to send a memo to all of the clubs letting them know that this Ken Francis dude is not an NFLPA certified agent, and he might be trying to contact teams and try to persuade them to discuss negotiations with Lamar Jackson and and there's going to be fines on the table. There's you cannot speak to Ken Francis, whoever the hell this guy is. And they had to send a formal thing to the league. And then Lamar is quote tweeting it saying like, I'm like, anyway, I don't want to bring it down too much for you. But some man named Ken Francis is doing some shady stuff um, on behalf of Lamar Jackson. We're going to try to break all that down with our buddy Charles Davis at 8.30. Uh, Also talk about his poor Tennessee guys out of the NCAA Sweet 16 last night. Uh, I, I wanted to come on. We booked him before we knew the result of the game. And unfortunately... They're out, but we'll try to console him as he is the joy of our Fridays. Um, Wake and rake will be after that at 845. So send in your picks at 595. you got Raptors and Pistons tonight, uh, more Sweet 16, and some NCAA uh, Frozen Four as well to tee up. We hit the wake and rake last night. Let's keep it going on your Friday. On the other side of the break, we're going to tee up MLB. Opening day starters being announced today. A league-wide announcement is happening. Who's going to be the Toronto Blue Jays starter? Julie Kreutz is joining us on the other side of the break. We'll see what she thinks.
1: Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors,
2: Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkers podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan Justin Cuthbert away on vacay for the next little while. So we got Haley Salavian joining us today and Monday. You can catch Haley on her own show, Hockey Central, from four to five PM. That's on nine sixty, and of course, a writer for the Athletic, killing it out there. She's got a, just away with words. Me, not so much. I have actually <laughs> invented a word. I don't know if you. you <laughs> there was a word that I said on the radio a couple of weeks ago, and we've actually now added it to the dictionary of Alish. Exuberation. Oh, I'll talk oh. about it later. You like it though, eh? Y- yeah, it's exuberant. And elation okay, together. Okay. So maybe yeah. one day you get a chance to put that in your article. No problem. You can, you can credit I me. I don't think that would pass There'd be this squiggly line underneath editor for sure. desk. They'd but be you like, can explain. Uh, what, what happened. I'll give you the definition yeah. and you can have it. Um, okay. I appreciate because you. Because there might be some exuberation okay. in this Blue Jay season and somebody is going to feel it when they're named opening day starter, which will be today. The M will be doing a worldwide rollout of all of their opening day starters Um, we both have our opinion on who it should be let's talk to julia kreutz blue jays report at mlb.com julia how's it going it's been a while since we chatted welcome back to the fold blue jays baseball is right around the corner
3: It really has been a while. Thank you so much for having me back. Good morning to you guys, and we'll see if we can sneak in exuberation in there.
0: Perfect. You know, you're a writer, so I'm giving you guys (laughs) the opportunity to add the the word from Ailish's Dictionary in there. Um, (laughs) So today's a special day because, you know, the MLB is doing something a little different, rolling out their opening day starters, which I think is really fun. It's different. It's a good way to get everyone engaged and on the same page in the same day. But if you're the Blue Jays, uh, who are you awarding that honor to?
3: Yeah, certainly different, and, and I would agree that it is a, sort of a fun way to to tackle this. We know that there is a lot of lore, right, mm-hmm. around the opening day starter. And so to, to do something and turn this into a mini event on a Friday, uh, I'm honestly all for it. Uh, as for the Blue Jays, uh, as we know, the Blue Jays right now have one of the best projected uh, starting rotations in the American League. Don't think you can go wrong with either Kevin Gosman or Alec Manoa. I'm sure that there are differing opinions on this, but when you look at their track record, when you look at what they've done with the Blue Jays so far, uh, it, you really cannot go wrong with either of those guys. If you look back to history, you know, with the postseason last year, Alec Manoa getting the start in game one of the wildcard series, that can be an indicator. Just the way that the guys are positioned right now in spring training to pitch can also be another indicator. But honestly, it's anyone's game at this point. uh, It will be an interesting one to follow today.
0: Let me give you my pitch for Alec Manoa because I'm all over it it this year. I want Alec (laughs) Manoa to start today or today. I want him to be announced today for um, opening day starter because because of that playoff performance. Now, I think... uh, that that does a lot for a player in terms of putting a little bit of, of maybe pressure on the mental side of the game. This off season, I know he worked extremely hard on his fitness, but also having to deal with kind of that, that performance, I'm sure, weighs heavily on a young guy. I think it's giving him the opportunity to show that that was a blip, to give him... Um, a boost of confidence coming in. I feel like being the opening day starter means a lot more to the player than it does to anyone else. And he's a guy that's going to ride a lot of wave of confidence this year. So you put him in there, you give him the opportunity to kind of bounce back, in a sense, from that playoff start. I think it's going to mean a lot to him. And Kevin Gosman is already the vet. We know what he has, we know that he's going to be a, a key member of this rotation. But what can Alec Benoah do to prove that? You know, last year the way that this playoff season, the moment wasn't too big for him, which is a conversation we all had. The moment might have been too big for Alec, but no, I think giving him that opening day starter is a great boost of confidence. Haley was kind of on the other side, the devil's advocate, um, but I see mm-hmm. it, and in, in, I see the l- legitimacy between both arguments. And I think the bigger picture, as you put it, is they have a great problem because they got at least two, three, four guys. Maybe Kakuchi should be starting. I mean, the yeah. uh, the world is your oyster if you're the Blue Jays pitching staff. <laughs>
3: Yeah, absolutely. And the strategy starts now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 planning and the tinkering, it's all in the works already. So whoever we see pitching on opening day, there are certainly more aspects of it that go into that decision than honestly you and I will ever know because we're just not in the room for those conversations. But you do bring up a great point. Alec Manoa did struggle in that postseason start and this is a guy that is a homegrown product. He mm-hmm. is very young, and the Blue Jays are still very much building him up. There's still development. You know, you think about a, a third place Cy Young winner or a Cy Young vote mm-hmm. winner last year, and you just, it's, it's interesting to think that there is still development to be had here. There, there's still growth for Alec Manoa. And so, what will that do, or what would that do uh, for him to, to get the nod, to, to get that honor? that's a fascinating uh, aspect of it as well. So, you know, at at the end of the day, I I think that I would be, I personally would choose Kevin Gosman because of his veteran (laughs) status and and just because of what he's represented uh, in the game of baseball and, and, you know, just just, just the fact that he was sort of that stabilizing uh, presence in that wild card series last year. But at the same time, if I'm the Blue Jays, I am taking a very good look at at Alec Manoa and what that does to his confidence, what that how that sets up the rotation, and just what the honor means to a young guy that you know got his start with the Blue Jays.
2: They have a ton of stuff to to kind of balance there, as you just mentioned, Julia. And thank you because. No, it's not fun when we all agree on the same thing. So I am kind of leaning in on the Gosman wagon when it's announced. Sure, and it's been fine. Yeah, just like hop on the Gosman train, (laughs) we're rolling. I mean. Manoa has the numbers and, like, the better season from last year, but Gosman has been an opening day starter before in 2017 and in 2021. I believe done was with it the, already. He, exactly, Share though. Don't you want that? <laughs> you want someone who's been there, done that before. Mm. Anyways, uh, my question for you, Julia, when it comes to this and it, what, either when it comes to, you know, pitching, guys you're looking at, uh, in the batting order, the outfield, whatever it may oh. be, like, how much weight do you put into – Grapefruit League and, and kind of spring training, like when you're watching the preseason and you're, and you're tracking the Blue Jays, like when we yeah. see Yusei Kikuchi like throwing some heat last yesterday, like yes. how much can we take away from this? With a guy like Kikuchi, I think you can take away
3: a whole bunch from this. Uh, we all know, we're very aware that, you know, spring training is about much more than results and you're not necessarily just looking at numbers but you're also looking at guys' ability to stay healthy and to run the bases and how are they dealing with, you know, the new rules this year. There's there's so much more that goes into spring training than simply the end results. But the fact is that Kikuchi, from the first start of of Grapefruit uh, action till yesterday with nine strikeouts over five innings, he has looked like a confident pitcher. So beyond the stellar numbers here and the fact that his stuff is playing really, really well is the confidence. And that's something that has been highlighted before. It was certainly talked about last year in which he lost that a little bit along the way. It it was a mental thing for Yusei Kikuchi a lot of the time, more so than simply, you know, he's not getting guys out. There was that certainly, But there was also the fact that his mental side didn't seem to be all there. So if he can carry that into the regular season, that will make all the difference uh, for the Blue Jays. And he does seem to be in a different headspace. Again, when the lights shine a little brighter, Mm -hmm. we can go back to, you know, Manoa in the postseason. Or we can go back to, speaking of opening day, to Jose Barrios last year. Uh, Things tend to play out differently, for sure. But the fact is that Yusei Kikuchi, when he is locked in mentally, he is a left-handed pitcher who throws 97-98 and who has a nasty slider. So what do you do with that right? as, as the opposing team? Uh, and, and, and to see him keep that consistency throughout the months of March is extremely encouraging for the Blue Jays. And now it's all about finding a way to keep that going into the regular season.
0: So you mentioned Jose Barrios, and between him and Kikuchi, those were maybe the biggest points of emphasis as a fan and as someone covering the, the, the game, obviously, in terms of that starting rotation. Now, Jose Barrios has had an offseason with a lot of tweaks, a lot of changes, and now a ramping up period, which included him going to the WBC. So I wonder where you're at with Jose Barrios and maybe where he might slot in in this rotation and if there's still um, any hesitation or any pause when you look at what he's done this off season and where he's at right now.
3: Yeah, it seems like he will be, or he should be in my mind, the number four guy here, right? So you have Chris Bassett mm-hmm. coming in, and, and whoever from Alec Minor or Kevin Goslin is one or two, I would imagine that Chris Bassett is going to be the number three guy in this rotation, and Jose Barrios, because of sort of his struggles last year, uh, he would slide in at number four. Uh, there is, when you listen to, say, Ross Atkins or John Schneider or even Barrios himself, honestly, uh, there is no hesitation, there is no pause. People around the organization really do believe that last year was a blip and it's all about sort of rediscovering himself, regaining his confidence and you know, just just coming out strong in the in the regular season. And this is not unheard of, right? Guys have had uh, blip years before and Barrios has had the time to build his own track record in this game and to earn this trust from the blue jays that he will bounce back and so far uh in spring training he has shown certainly flashes of that if not the whole time you know you can you can turn to his old baseball classic outing and say okay well this is the burrito that we saw last year he got beaten around a little bit but with the blue jays in grapefruit league he's been doing well so there's there's a lot to consider when it comes to a guy like, like Barrios. Again, him, he himself last year spoke about the mental side a bunch, uh, and now you have to sort of rebuild that. If this rotation stays as it is right now, it's going to be extremely scary for opposing teams to come, to come up to Rodgers Center.
2: You know, what are some of the other roster battles that you're tracking this week, Julia, as we kind of head towards and get, you know, closer and closer? I mean, what, six days away uh, from opening day for the Blue Jays? What's uh, what's still kind of up in the air for you with this roster?
3: Yeah, I would say that, you know, that 26th roster spot is still up for grabs. I would think that Otto Lopez has the upper hand here. He has been... Really, really good in this preseason. He was very good for Team Canada in the World Baseball Classic as well. A versatile guy who can play multiple positions, extremely fast around the bases, and he makes contact. He puts the ball in play. That's really all you're looking for in your 26th man. And, you know, he, he has been in the majors before. Maybe you can say that a guy like Addison Barger or Nathan Lucas could come in and, and, and make a run for that 26th spot the fact is that Lopez, as the number 14 here prospect uh, uh, via MLB pipeline, and a guy who's been around the major leagues before, who's been in that clubhouse before, and has put in the numbers and the success that he has in the offseason, or in the preseason, pardon me, it does seem like he has sort of the the upper hand. Another thing that I'm looking at closely is just how the Blue Jays are going to tackle second base. Mm -hmm. It does seem like... Santiago Espinal, who had that position on lock for most of last season, is going to come in at a platoon situation this year, maybe with Whit Merrifield and even Kevin Biggio. How does the strategy change now that the Blue Jays roster is a bit deeper than it was last year? And how are they going to utilize a guy like Santiago Espinal, who was an all-star last year uh, and who now may see a, a different role with this club? So those are the two big ones for me. Uh, I don't think that there's necessarily a roster battle when it comes to the bullpen, but I'm always very curious to see how a team uh, sort of breaks camp when it comes to the bullpen. Nate Pearson is a guy to watch uh, on that front and how it plays out until the trade deadline because that does say a lot too about how a contending club is going to act uh, come the trade deadline time.
0: What do you think Mitch White's um, next couple months is, is going to be like? I don't, I don't think he's uh, going to be up in the conversation for that fifth starter right away. It looks like Kukuchi has it. And I know he's dealing with maybe a little bit of a tweak himself. But mm-hmm. is he a guy that they're going to keep maybe in that starting position? Is there a, a bullpen spot maybe for Mitch White? Um, I think that maybe that's kind of the question mark that I still have is where and how Mitch White will be utilized.
3: Yeah, once he is ready to go, he's mm-hmm. still ramping up, throwing in minor league games right now and all of that. Uh, we do expect him to take uh, a bullpen role in sort of that long reliever position, which again, is something that Pearson might be in the running for, but we all know that, you know, five starters don't a season make. It's a very, very long baseball season. Every team last year used at least eight starters throughout the 162 games. So Jays rotation looks amazing on paper. These are five guys that are coming in very strong, but injuries happen. Double headers happen, right? There's so much in in a baseball season that you can't really predict. You can prepare for, right? As, as much as you can, but it, it is a long season and it is a grind. So having a guy like Mitch White, the priority is to get him healthy and to get him back into throwing in games. And when you and when you sort of go through that hurdle, then you have a, a very valuable swingman, a guy that can slide into that long relief role, but that can also get starts for you if need be. That's a very, very advantageous uh, position to be in uh, for the Blue Jays. And, and they have sort of looked for a couple of guys that can do that. Zach Thompson, Drew Hutchison. Uh, Blue Jays have put themselves in a position in which when the time comes that they will need that number six, seven, or eight starter, they have guys right now that they can turn to.
0: Julie, I know you've been covering the team throughout spring training um, from a distance here. I, I mm-hmm. feel like there's been a more serious approach this season, not only because they got rid of the home run jacket, but just mm-hmm. listening to the players talk about the approach, the off season goals, um, where they come into spring training, what they want from this season. It feels like a different vibe. And also the fact that they've added some veteran staff members, obviously Don Mattingly and um, J- James Click. James. James Click, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mr. Gotcha. Click. Uh, they added him as well. And mm-hmm. they have, you know, they've just kind of approached this a little differently. Are you feeling the same level of s- severity to
3: this season ahead? Yes, yeah, severity is an interesting word. I do think that everyone is maybe a little more locked in, mm-hmm. right? It's, uh, it's funny not to think of this Blue Jays team as a young team anymore. And that's the reality of it. The Blue Jays are not young anymore. They are ready to win they are this is they are due <laughs> for for some wins mm-hmm. right they're due for some for some things to bounce their way in a certain way and i think that the the one that the, the many quotes speaking about this team's maturity uh the one that really caught my eye recently was uh kevin gosman mm-hmm. saying that hey the attention to detail this year is tenfold what it was last year that's uh, huge. and saying something along so saying something along the lines of you know the the way that we lost last season was uh very humbling was something that he said, and so that loss for for the players that were there for it it's obviously going to stay in their minds and they're obviously going to you know not dwell on it by any means but learn from it and when you're talking about attention to detail in a long season in which you know a handful of wins Make the whole difference between being a wild card team or winning the pennant or you know losing a, a, a best of two or best of three series and advancing to the next round. there's so much that can be decided in the details when it comes to baseball. And hearing every player almost to a man talking about the attention to detail, that tells you a lot about where this team is in terms of maturity. And their stance going into the season of what they're trying to accomplish.
2: There's still 162 games left to play for the Blue Jays, so obviously it's it's very early. We've just got spring training uh, going on right now. But in your mind, Julia, like, what does success look like for this Blue Jays team? This year, and I'm sure what that looks like, and the expectation will change throughout the season. That that's natural. That always happens, depending on on what they actually look like. But in this kind of preseason space, like what what does success look like for the Toronto Blue Jays in, in 23, 24, or I guess yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> what year If, is if it? you <laughs> ask the team,
1: <laughs>
3: it is Friday morning, so yeah. I, I won't say I blame you here. <laughs> and, and yeah. You know, if you ask this team, the goal is the same as it was last year. It didn't work out for them last year, but the goal remains the same: it's World Series, right? It's it's why the Blue Jays went out and and got all the guys that they did, did all and performed all the. We saw the Teoscar Hernandez trade sort of kick off this whole off season, and it was a busy one. Uh, the lineup is different. It's more versatile. It's more flexible. The rotation is certainly better. The bullpen is better. Everywhere you look, the Blue Jays are better than they were last year. And if they started last year by saying that the goal was the World Series, there is no reason to believe that that goal has changed. So I'm not saying that if the Blue Jays don't make the World Series, it's not going to be a successful year. Things happen. Things change. That's the the nature of the game. But that is 100% what this team is going to be looking at the entire way. Uh, The big one for me is, can they win the American League East? Mm -hmm. Can the Yankees stay healthy enough to make a run for it with the Blue Jays? And and I am right now looking at those two teams. I I may uh, be surprised here by the Rays or the Red Sox or even the Orioles, who are certainly also better than they were last year. Uh, But it does look like it's still a two-team race here. And if the Blue Jays can come away with that, they, are, they will be extremely well-positioned to make a, a deep playoff run. Well,
0: opening day next Thursday. We'll find out today who will be on the mound for the Toronto Blue Jays for that. Uh, maybe Manoa, maybe Gosman, maybe Kikuchi. <laughs> we'll chat with you, I'm <laughs> sure, many times throughout the season, Julie. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, get ready and get excited. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend, everyone. You as well. That's Julia Croyd's Blue Jays reporter at MLB.com. And as we mentioned, the MLB is doing a league wide rollout of the 30 opening day starters sometime today. Um, a new approach to a little social buzz around who will be on the mound. I'd like to know at 595.9, who should it be? You want Alec Manoa out there? You want Kevin Gosman? You want the MVP of the Grapefruit League? You say Kikuchi, <laughs> where you stand? Um, I think that the, The benefit of this is that you can't really go wrong, as we just talked about with Julia and Haley with me here. I think that this is an exciting year with some heightened expectations. Last year's expectations were World Series. don't know how much higher you can get for that, but a year of experience and, as we mentioned, a learning moment at the very end of that season. And, you know, that can really make a difference to a team to have a pretty brutal end uh, to what was supposed to be – a really long run. And so maybe you've learned from that. Hopefully you've grown you've sat with that for months and you've trained and you've put that on your bulletin board. So how do you kick off this season with a little bit of something to prove? I think the blue Jays have that and they have the right players and the right staff for that. So I'm really excited for this blue Jays season ahead. And uh, we'll find out today who gets to have the honor of being on the mound for that. So stay tuned. Um, On the other side of the break though, we have a guy that has made it to that championship Many, many times and has hosted the Stanley Cup three times in his career, including a Conn Smythe Award winner. It's Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7, joining us on the other side of the break. He's a special advisor to the Hurricanes um, GM as well, and the the Leafs are playing the Canes tomorrow night. So we'll, we'll tee up that game, but we'll also talk about what it means to be a champion and do the Maple Leafs have the right
2: roster construction to do just that.